Thanks, uh, Moira. Thanks, Jacques. Thank you, church family. It really is a, a fun opportunity to do something a little different, and it's also great to not just be able to do it in the room, but online as well. And uh, yeah, so, you know, when you're an older guy and, and you have some of these youngsters around, sometimes you just have to, I don't want to use the word crack the whip as such, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> you need to have some some fairly serious conversations with them. And, and I thought, well, why do it just in my office? Why not do it here in front of everybody so that, so that we can all actually learn something out of this conversation? Before we go there, Jacques, so um, lockdown was quite tough for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was rough. Um, just the beginning of lockdown. So, so my son was born right in the beginning of lockdown. So we had a newborn baby. That was our third child in the house. And then uh, we had to shift from sort of working from church to working from home. And Cora had to move from working from at school to working from home. And we had to teach the kids. So it was, it was, a, it was a rough season. And uh, so Cora had a C-section yeah. that also didn't heal for like five months. So yeah, it wasn't easy. And, and you are kind of a very structured, organized person. And so having three children around you wasn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world for you. Yeah, I know. It was difficult. So okay. there was all of a sudden no more boundaries. Everything collided and it was just hectic. <laughs> yeah, somebody understands. So now, are you okay now? Yeah. yeah I'm doing good. The family's good. doing good and Cora's wound is healed, which is good. Fantastic. Um, but we're doing good as a family, yes. Thanks, John. No, it's good. It's good. So um, this is all about vision. This is about what we believe God is telling us uh, about our church. And, and, and we, at the beginning of the year, you know, we were very sure about where God wanted us to go. And one of Jacques' passions is focus. Are we going where God wants us to go? And so, Jacques, let's start off and, and test number one. What is the vision of our church? So before I get to sharing the vision, I, I just want to take a moment just standing still on sort of God's mission. Um, I mentioned to John while we were preparing for the session that I've had like sort of two major moments that, was, that completely wrecked me. It was like paradigm shifting things for me. So the one was as soon as, as early as lockdown and the other one was last year. But the, sort of the first thing that I encountered that made me think about ministry completely different was this passage in Ephesians 4 verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for ministry so that the body may be edified. And um, there were just so many powerful things that came out of that passage for me. Okay, so that was one of those passages that God just threw up at you. Now, I mean, that's quite a well-known passage, um, and it's used quite a lot in church world, but... But there, are, there is quite a lot of churchy language there, surprise, surprise. Maybe it'll be a good idea to unpack a little bit some of that kind of particular language. So, you, uh, you know, I know some people talk about this as the five-fold ministry. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. The, one of the major things that sort of struck me from this passage that shifted the way I think was that Christ gives gifts to the congregation, to the church. So specifically in this area, we're speaking about the fivefold ministry, that list of five ministries, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And our job is to equip, equip the saints for ministry. So, so when we preach, 
we should be saying, how are we going to equip the saints for ministry? Okay, so you've got this group of people whose job it is to equip, and then it says the saints. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know some of the, in fact, I know most of these people, <laughs> and I'm not terribly sure that the word saint would describe <laughs> me, for that matter, or a whole lot of these people. So is it somebody else? Yeah, so, I mean, if you think about the word saint, it sounds like or refers, it sounds like it refers to the morally pure, um, but some translations actually uses the word people of God. So it's essentially all of us. If you're a child of God, that's who this passage is speaking about. Okay, so it's talking about a group of people whose job it is to, to equip the whole church to do what? For ministry, what that last part says. Okay, and that's another one of those words, you know, yeah. what, you know, our I mean, obviously, you know, we, we get paid to do ministry. That's easy. What's, is it something that only happens here? What is ministry? So that's a good question. So the, the second major thing that I had this paradigm-shifting experience was when, when we actually did a series on the Lord's Prayer in the beginning of the year. And uh, one of the things that struck me was when Jesus prays, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this idea that God wants to establish his kingdom, and the mechanism that he uses is the local church. And so, 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 so let me ask this question. If I had to ask the congregation, if I had to ask you guys to equip the saints for ministry, so most pastors have a definition of the word ministry. What is your definition of ministry? And if you do have a cool one, I would love to hear before we move on. Is there anyone that can sort of define the word ministry for me? It's a tricky one. It so, is. It is. Service. Yeah, service is good. Absolutely. That's a good one. I had two, two people shout out service. That's fantastic. So, so I've had to define what, serve, what, what ministry looks like. And I believe, according to what Jesus was praying, is that ministry is to establish God's kingdom here on earth. So when we read that passage, we should be reading, so Christ himself gave the fivefold ministry to equip the people of God, to, to, gave those guys to equip the people of God to establish his will and his kingdom here on earth. So, so it's not something that just happens in, in a church building. No, definitely not. I mean, that's one of the, the limitations, I guess, with... Um, being stuck to, say, the word volunteerism, for example. So somebody is a, they're a teacher. Let's use that as an example. How, what does that look like for them? Do they minister at school? Yeah, so my wife's primary spiritual gift is teaching. So she doesn't get to teach the way John and I teach from a platform. So, so she is using her spiritual gift, but at her school. So it can't be only limited to a location or a moment or a day in the week. I mean, so literally... If you are a child of God, by definition, you are doing ministry when you are helping God's kingdom to come. It's not something you do at church. It's something you do everywhere. It's everywhere. I like that definition. That is a good definition, isn't it? Your kingdom come. And, and so it, it is. It's something we can actually all do. And you're saying our job is to equip God's people. It's all of our jobs to equip each other to do that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so well done on a bit of a diversion there, because you did come up with some good theological points, but you haven't answered my question, what is our vision? 
So let's get straight into it. So our vision is to bring transformation. Our desire is to bring, trans- to bring transformation in individuals. You'd often hear Cindy and Richard Erasmus speak about transformed individuals, and their desire is that everyone would spend time with Jesus every day. Um, so, so that's their mission. Is be, the idea there is that the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. Robin Sharma, for example, says that the number one way to change someone's behavior is to change their peer group. Tim Ferriss, there's not, there's not going to be a quote on the screen for this one, but Tim Ferriss said that you become the five people you spend most of your time with. And their idea is that if Jesus is one of those five people, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you become like Christ. And that's how we believe we transform individuals. So, so I mean, that's not just good leadership quotes that teach us that. I mean, the, the Bible is also clear on that. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. And, and, and a lot of what he did wasn't just telling them things. It was them being around him and learning how he acted and lived. Yeah, the, what, what I love about what she's saying there is that there's a, there's a responsibility in this. So, so transformed individuals. If Rich and Cindy are challenging us to spend time with Jesus every day, it's our responsibility to do that. No one can spend time with Jesus on your behalf. So, so when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, follow me, but do what I do. So there's a responsibility that he's placing on each of us. So, so, I mean, one of the great things about this is that it's not restricted to the people sitting in the building. Because it's every one of our responsibilities wherever we are, the folk at home watching on, on YouTube, it, it is something we don't have to be here to do. In fact, it's something we do at home all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, following up from there, our vision is to transform individuals, but our vision is also to transform the church. Okay. So Barry and I try work really hard on, on making that happen. So our two major focuses is to help people um, engage in our church services. We want you to engage in the worship. We would love for you to engage in the sermons. In every element of the service, we want you to engage. But one of our greatest desires, I think, John, is that we want people to encounter Jesus. So that's how we think church should be transformed. When people encounter Jesus and they're engaged in the services, lives will change. Um, so there's, there's another form of responsibility there. I just spoke about individuals have this personal responsibility to take ownership for their own spiritual growth. But when we think about church and church transformation, we believe that we as the staff and, the, and this team of um, sort of staff has a responsibility to do exactly what Ephesians 4.11 says. It's our responsibility to equip the saints for ministry. So when we gather collectively, it's our responsibility to teach the word and to help you engage with God through worship so that you then can go home and spend time with Jesus the same way we did on the Sunday service. Which is also one of the reasons why we think that an online platform is so incredibly important because at the moment there are a lot of people who can't engage like the people in the room. So we have to keep working really hard at engaging not just in, our, in this room, but online as well. And that's what I love about the third part of our, our vision. So we're speaking about transformed individuals, transformed church. Then we're speaking about transformed community. So Debbie sort of runs with transformed community. And, and our desire there is to transform directly our local community, which would be Westville, for example. But we're partnering with Cost. And they've got churches all over the place, and we want to see transformation happen there. Essentially, the goal is to see transformation happen here 
to the ends of the earth. And once again, there's a, some, some form of responsibility there. So we spoke about individuals taking ownership. We're talking about the church service where we as the staff say, look, we wanna, we wanna equip you to, with the word and worship. But when we think about transformed community, we are saying we, we, both of us, need to take responsibility for making this happen. So the church says we wanna partner with the, the individuals to, to bring transformation wherever you are. So it's not bound to the physical Sunday service. It's quite literally transformation even in your homes and in your families. So, I mean, the, the fantastic thing about that is how built in the mission of God and our church vision is. Yeah. God's vision, his mission is to bring the kingdom of God into the world through individuals, through a church community, and then out into a whole world. So in a sense, we're saying our vision is a, is a version of God's mission in the world. Yes, and I think we, we're trying to be strategic about it, trying to be specific about who and where we want to transform the world. Good. Okay, so I think he's done well in answering that question. I think he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank you. So, so, so now I have a second question for you, um, and, and this is kind of less theological and more specific, Jacques. Um, I mean, I, I'm your boss, and, and I, I have a job description, and part of your job description is that you are responsible for volunteers in our church. It's, it's one of the things that is in your job description. You signed that job description. <laughs> so the other day in a staff meeting, I heard you say that you don't want people to volunteer. Now, I, I, now I don't know if there's any of... Are you going to deny it? Any staff members, were you there? Did any of you... You know, you see that chicken, they knew yeah. I was going to ask, uh, Barry, you did say it. So here you've got this in your job description, and you said you don't want people to volunteer. Please explain. Yeah, I think it's critical to explain, and that, I think that's what yes, happens. Yes, it is, I think because that's you need happens. a job. <laughs> that's what happens when you, I think, John, when you pick up stompies. <laughs> Whoa. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <clears throat> so, so this is what I meant. <laughs> This is what I mean. So often when you throw out the word volunteer, for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, it's a negative word. Um, they hear volunteer and immediately they think geographical location. So we're going to volunteer, for example, at church or at cost, and then we're going to do chores. And I don't believe that. And we're not going to get paid for it. And we're not going to get paid for it. And, and I don't believe that's God's plan for equipping and establishing or releasing the kingdom uh, his people to establish the kingdom. So, so the picture I have in my mind is when you, when you build a house, you, you have this plot of land that's fairly rough, and then you need to bring in some earth-moving equipment. You need to bring a team of people with some TLBs, and they start shifting the place around, clearing it up, in preparation for a team of people who's going to build the foundation or lay the foundations, for example. Then you have a crew of people that put up the walls, and then the, the roof goes up by a different group of people, and then eventually they bring in the plumbers, and they plumb the whole place, and they bring in the electricians, and eventually at the end of this whole process, after maybe a year, 18 months, or whatever, you've got a complete house. Um, and I think that's what the kingdom of God should look like. So, I mean, that's a nice picture, and I agree with you that, that we are building something together, but all those people are paid. <laughs> None of them are volunteers. So I'm still stuck on this volunteer word, Jacques. So the point there is that every single person had a specific purpose. And if one of them pulled out, we would not have been able to completely build the house. 
Um, and I believe that every single one of us have a specific purpose in the kingdom of God. And if one of us doesn't show up, something is not going to get done as well as it should be done. And we're not going to see the type of transformation we want to see. Um, so our job is to build the kingdom of God. So, I mean, I like that idea because it ties in very closely to Scripture where, you know, Paul says one is a hand, one, you know, there are different parts, but there is one body. So really what you're saying is it's the, the word volunteer is just a bit of a misleading word. We want something else. Yeah, I, I think I'm referring to the connection or the understanding of volunteering. So I don't want people to volunteer. I want people to minister. That's, those are two different things. The moment someone discovers their ministry and shows up, say, for example, at a church event, they're no longer volunteering, even though technically they are. What they are doing is they're stepping into their purpose and they are ministering. They are doing the very thing that God equipped them to do. So it's more a mindset shift than an actual volunteering. And, and, and tell me about some of those ministries that people could have. Cool. So, so I'm not going to give specific examples. I'm going to run through a list of spiritual gifts that Scripture speaks about. It's a very limited list, but I think it'll be good to run through it. So, so one of them, for example, could be exhortation, which means to edify or to, or to encourage. Encouragement is another word for exhortation. Giving, for example. I, sorry, I just want to stop it. That's a great example because that's not something you have to come to this building to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean you could do it online. You can do it on Facebook. Imagine encouraging other people on Facebook rather than, <laughs> than telling them nasty things. You know, you know what I mean? So, so it is. It's, it's very much a gift that God has given that's not just meant for a Sunday in a building, but actually you can do it anywhere. Yeah. So another, another example for, for, uh, could be giving. It's a spiritual gift that Scripture speaks about. Um, you might have the, the gift of leadership. You might be sitting here and God has given you the gift of leadership and um, I believe that God wants you to step into that space and lead God's people. A um, few more, mercy, prophecy, um, service, the gift of teaching, for example, administration, um, music, all those are, are gifts that God give us to equip the saints for ministry and to do ministry with. Okay, so, so I, I, I understand, I understand. Are we gonna change your job description? I think so. Okay, well, what, what should it say now instead of Jacques is responsible for volunteers in our church? I think it should start with Jacques, the legend of awesomeness, no. <laughs> is now in charge of. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so essentially my passion is, isn't necessarily volunteerism. My passion is helping people discover their God-given purpose and giving them an opportunity to step into that so that God can unleash you to do what he's made you to do. And, and that looks different for different people, often. Exactly. Sometimes it takes people a while to discover it. Sometimes they know instantly what it is. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I spent a lot of time praying about it, and, and God gave me a scripture. So that might be something that you need to do. It's, it's once again, taking that responsibility that, that, that God has given you. So some people pray about it. They, God gives them scripture. For other people, they, they pray and they read scripture, and nothing happens. And, and essentially what they need to do is experiment. So a lot of people just show up at church, and they serve wherever they can, or they start using the, these various gifts in their workplace or at home and in their families, and in doing that, discover your purpose. Cool. Okay, so I mean, he's two down. He's done well. Third one. So when, when we started talking about 
talking about vision, I said to Jacques, Jacques, this is your baby. You, you come up with the thing we need to do. You come up with how it's going to look. And you came up with this title, Can Lockdown Unlock Our Vision? Now, we've been up here for ages, and you haven't <laughs> said a thing about Can Lockdown Unlock Our Vision? Yeah, I regretted that title the moment I gave it to you. Okay. Too late. <laughs> Explain yourself. So, yeah. So, so the, the truth is that, that lockdown or, or this, this pandemic has an effect and an impact on, on everyone, and um, especially churches. I, I have lots of pastor friends who, whose churches are literally struggling. Um, they've declined in numbers. Their income has gone down, and they're literally unable to do as effective ministry as they used to. And, and many of them have actually had to close down their doors. Mm. So if we had to ask this question, can lockdown unlock our vision? I think for many churches, the answer would be no. The answer would be actually lockdown in this pandemic has, has made it very difficult for us to be effective in what God has called us to do. But my prayer for our church is the opposite, that if someone had to ask any one of us the question, can lockdown unlock your vision, we should be able to say yes, and this is why. So you're basically saying, if, if we come with the right attitude, if we come with this idea that it's not about simply what happens here on a Sunday, ministry isn't just about us doing churchy things, it's about us taking the kingdom of God, that that lockdown actually may even serve to take that vision further? Yeah. That's one of the reasons that, that I don't like the word volunteering, because it is, is bound to a geographical location. But when we start looking at ministry in this way, you could minister wherever we are, and we could quite literally unlock our vision um, here on earth as it is in heaven, Scripture says. So, so, I mean, I'm looking at that list, and as you said, it's not an exhaustive list, but but there's nothing on that list that can't be done at church or somewhere else. I mean, exhorting, encouraging one another, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, teaching, administration, music. None of that is bound to being in a building or being at a location. It can be done anywhere. Uh, it's happening online right now. So, so it, you're right. This guy's not bad, eh? He's a sharp youngster. So thinking, thank you, John. Thank You're welcome. You. <laughs> okay, I feel, I feel land, super proud that you said that. <laughs> okay, land this thing for okay. us. Where, where are we going? So the church, the church, the history has always been on the cutting edge of social transformation. I mean, if we think about lockdown, one of the first, thing, first things that pops into my head is, is social distancing. And I think for, for many churches or many people, so when I say church, I'm talking about people being the church. For many people, we have also socially distanced from our purpose. So, and I'm not talking about socializing. I'm talking about our social responsibility as the church. Right throughout history, we've been very effective right on the forefront of bringing transformation. And I believe that COVID-19 has given us, the church, an opportunity to once again take the opportunity and step into that space where we get to be the church and bring transformation. So, so if I can substitute a word since you've been doing that. <laughs> it's not just our social responsibility, it's actually our kingdom responsibility. And, and, and you're saying that some people have used this pandemic to distance themselves from our kingdom mm. responsibility because we're not all together here. And, and we must stop doing that. Moses... So he was in Egypt, 
and um, he, he'd sort of fallen from grace. He killed a guy. He was a prince, and he moved from being a prince to being a shepherd. And while he was a shepherd, one day God spoke to him through a burning bush. And essentially what God was saying to him was like, look, Moses, I want to use you to free my people because they're currently slaves in Egypt, but I want to use you. And you may know the story. So Moses sort of debates with God, and he, he gives them a bunch of reasons why he is the wrong guy. He says he's got a speech impediment. He says, how will people know that the true God sent him? And who has sent me, asked. And God said, well, go to them and say to them, I am has sent you. Then Moses says, well, how will they know that I am is the one true God? And then God asks him a question. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses essentially said to him, a stick. I've got a stick in my hand. Um, he actually said, I've got a shepherd's staff in my hand. And then God says to him, throw it on the floor. This stick turned into a snake. And he was like, wow, this is great. But I love what God did there. He, he, he he asked him what's in his hand and used the very thing that he was highly skilled in to bring transformation, quite literal transformation. So, so maybe, John, if I could ask a question to, to the congregation today. If God had to pose that question to you, same way he did to Moses, if he had to say to you today, what do you have in your hand? what would your response be? So I'm not gonna ask you to tick any box or to sign up anywhere. I want you to only internalize this. Because I believe that, that the thing that you have in your hand that God has just reminded you of could very well be the specific ministry that God has for you. Mm. So I'm gonna ask that question. What do you have in your hand right now? And will you use it just like Moses did? So I want to pray for you. Can I, can, I, can I just pause? I want to just, not just what do you have in your hand, but perhaps what excuses have you been using? Because Moses was once a prince. You know, it feels like he should have done that job while he was a prince. But now he'd been in the desert for 42 years, and he did come up with a bunch of excuses. And eventually God said, I've got this vision, Moses. I've got this vision. I want my people to be free. And you've got to play a part. What have you got in your hand? And what are your excuses? I love that. Let's pray. Yeah. So if you're sitting here today and, um, and you feel that God has really reminded you of something that you've got in your hand, I want to pray for that specifically. I know that you may be sitting and you're thinking, I don't actually know what I've got in my hand. And maybe you need to start experimenting. Maybe you need to start praying and asking God and reading scripture. Um, but I wanna pray for you as well. And John just mentioned, what are some of the excuses you've been throwing out as to why you haven't been ministering the way you needed to be ministering? So let's pray. So God, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And our prayer is that you would establish your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. I wanna thank you that you use the church to do that. Father, and as you asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? I believe that today you are asking home ground. What do you have in your hand and will you use it? Father, I pray that whatever's in our hands right now, whatever you've shown your children, I pray, Lord, that they would find the courage to do what you have called them to do that the excuses that we've been using, you would get rid of those. Say, Lord, the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
and we're gonna choose to step into that. I'm gonna pray for those who, who don't know what they've got in their hands. Pray that you would show them. Pray that as they take the responsibility to seek and to pray and to read scripture and to, and to serve and minister in various ministries, that you would ignite within them a specific passion so that they too can step up and build the kingdom of God. And everybody says, amen.